Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek Podcast, where we talk about marketing, media, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad, but hopefully a meat-free ad, and dairy-free, and egg-free, because this week, we're talking Veganuary, uh, and with me is our plant-based product expert to talk about this vegan movement and how and why brands have embraced it and Americans have embraced it so quickly and uh, and dramatically. Uh, and uh, with, with me, as I mentioned, is our expert on all things plant-based, T.L. Stanley, reporter and editor here at Adweek. Uh, great to have you back, Terry. Thank you so much for having me again. I love to chat, as you know. I mean, we have talked about, we had you on in November, I think, last to talk about uh, some some plant-based trends. This is one of those categories like cannabis, which you also cover, where it just feels like every two weeks, it's in a completely new place. Like I've never, in all my years of covering this stuff, I, I can't think of very many categories that have blown up as quickly and as dramatically and often as these two have. And it, it's probably the intersection of a bunch of trends that were already in the works, but have just been completely accelerated by the pandemic. Now, I, I think you and I have talked about this when we have uh, gotten into these topics before, um, but I feel like I should be transparent about my own kind of uh, approach to uh, – I'm certainly not vegan. Uh, I don't eat uh, beef. That's a somewhat newish thing, like the last two years, I want to say. Uh, stopped eating beef, mostly out of environmental and, and a few health reasons. Uh, that, that said, whenever I say health issue, I am I usually quick to admit that I eat a lot of pork <laughs> – Living in Alabama, I can't. I, I do a lot of grilling and smoking and uh, and cooking in general. And I think if I gave up pork, I'm just not ready. I'm not quite there yet. Uh, that said, uh, I'm always looking. I do eat a lot of plant based uh, foods and alternatives. Uh, a lot of the brands we've written about. Terry, remind me what's your what's your kind of status? Um, Southern girl originally, and I love my steak and bacon. And I really don't think I could ever give them up. Um, it, it is a little bit of a it's a disconnect because I'm such an animal welfare, um, you know, person. I love animals of all types, 
but um, I love my red meat and I don't, <laughs> I really, cause it's delicious. Um, I don't eat it that often, but I really crave it every now and again. I eat a lot of chicken. I eat a lot of turkey. Um, I eat fish. I mean, I will, I will try pretty much anything and everything. The things I make more consistently for myself are, um, chicken and turkey with lots and lots of vegetables in there. And there's plenty of uh, completely plant-based days or completely plant-based meals without ever really um, consciously saying, I must eat plant-based. I just like that food as well. So I, I have um, a pretty broad mix of things that I eat and cooking it all for myself, which I did even before lockdown, so I'm a decent home cook, so I can, um, you know, I can make something that doesn't have meat in it. And I still think that's delicious, but every once in a while, just like a BLT or some sausage. Oh, it's delicious. Yeah. Keep waiting for turkey bacon to actually be good. Like I, I use it in random stuff, but it's hard to, hard to get past legit bacon. Um, I, I, I I'm, I'm definitely, I mean, I, and I feel like hopefully, or maybe in some ways I'm kind of a typical American part of these trends. It's like, I don't necessarily care. Like if I eat a burger and it's really good, I don't, I don't care. Like, I mean, if, if I can, if, if it's good and it's not meat and I know the environmental impacts of meat and things like that, uh, then cool. Uh, but I did not start doing that. I did not give up beef until there were uh, replacements for the things I eat most often. And I mean, honestly, I think the, in the end, the only thing I really gave up was like steak and brisket when you think about it. Um, because just about everything else you can get a substitute for. And I feel like as you and I have talked about that, that's kind of been why some of these brands have been so successful is it's not that Americans en masse are giving up all meat. They are just, of course, uh, we've made it this far into the show and we haven't said the F word. Flexitarian. Right. Let's right, talk, right, let's right. Let's talk about flexitarians. Jay. Yeah. Well, people cite they they will they sort of talk one game, but then when it comes to actually buying, you know, plunking down their dollars at the grocery store, they sort of talk a different game. Because when people, if you ask them, why are you eating less meat, or why do you want to um, adopt a more plant based diet, they will say. Health, that's almost always first. Um, animal welfare is very often second. And earth-friendly, earth sustainability, uh, often third. So those are the top three. Yet, when they go to the grocery store and they have something to pick from, they want taste. That is why they actually that is why they actually part with their dollars. And if it doesn't taste good, it might be all those other things. It's good for the planet. It didn't hurt any animals and it's healthy for you. But if they don't like the way it tastes, they will not buy it. Well, I think it's interesting, especially when you get into veganism, right? That a lot of people have a, a lot of Americans probably have a mental barrier when you say vegan because it conjures up not just a a dietary kind of uh, setup, but a persona, a personality, uh, <laughs> a certain attitude, a very judgy attitude. Um, how would you say people, like when you tell someone that person's a vegan, what, what do you think that 
the person that's that's hearing that like what do you think they picture militant yeah and that's often that's often the case yeah yeah they're um it's like the old joke you know about like crossfit people and vegans you know how do you identify either it's like oh they'll they'll tell you (laughs) right exactly and And i don't think you know like someone like tabitha brown who we've covered for this veganuary campaign she is so clear not only about her own background and growing up eating all kinds of things including roadkill which she's very transparent about i I think Uh, she admits to eating possum i I don't know if that's (laughs) technically the same as roadkill (laughs) my 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 family actually uh, ate possum i i asked i i only learned about that sorry for the tangent but my great aunt, my great aunt kept a diary that I converted to a, a Twitter feed, uh, and and in there she talked about how often they would hunt possum. And I asked my grandfather when he was still alive, I was like, "You guys ate possum?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah, they were a very hard scrabble farm in uh, yeah in in Missouri." And um, and he was like, "Oh yeah, it's good, it's good." And it's just one of those things that's funny until Tabitha, Tabitha Brown mentioned that. I was just like. Yeah, like that. There was probably just an era where that was normal. But no, to your point, like she ate. She grew up in in a in a you know small town in the south and and ate just about whatever was put in front of her. Yeah. So let's not say roadkill. Let's say uh, perhaps <laughs> critter. It, it like falls under the critter category. So yeah, she ate everything uh, because you didn't turn away food when you didn't. Obviously, you didn't have much. You didn't turn your nose up at what your folks put in front of you, you know, on your plate. So, um, but it was, a, it was health reasons that, that turned her to veganism. And she says repeatedly in her videos, it works for me. Maybe it's not for you. Um, do what you can. If you, if you slip up or you're trying to do this kind of diet and it doesn't work out, don't beat yourself up. I mean, she, she is not one of those people who looks at, at you eating a burger and screams murderer at you. Yeah. And I mean, I think you, and we're going to play some of her, um, kind of her, her story in a minute here because she is, uh, essentially, I mean, the, the official kind of spokesperson of the veganuary movement in America, uh, which we're going to go into a lot more in a minute. But I think, you know, you, you bring up that, that point, whether we say militant or, um, or judgy and, and all this. And, and again, this is not, me having any sort of problem with vegan. I know many vegans and most of them are, you know, pretty chill about it. Uh, but it is a barrier. It's a barrier for your, your average Americans, um, to get past. And that is something this veganuary movement, uh, is tackling before we get into what uh, veganuary is and why it's gotten so popular. Uh, let's, uh, let's listen to a little tap of the Browns, uh, kind of summary of how she, made this journey into it and, and her vibe, because I think you really have to hear her to get a vibe of just, it's nice. It's refreshing. She's got a, she's got a cool angle to it. So let's listen to a little bit of that. What got me is that when they were talking about diseases are not hereditary, that we eat the same thing causing the same disease. And for me, you know, my mom um, died at 51 and she had ALS and my dad is 68. He's the oldest male to live in the family. And a lot of my aunts and uncles and family members die very young of heart attacks and strokes and, you know, rare sicknesses. To me, meat was the common denominator. And I thought to myself, well, I haven't tried that, right? And they were talking about plant-based eating on what the hell. 
And so I told my husband, well, I've tried all the dummy drugs, all the guinea pig drugs that the doctors have given me over this last year and a half, and nothing has worked. If I've tried all that stuff, honey, I can at least try to do this vegan thing for 30 days and see if it make, you know, make me feel better. And so we decided uh, as a family to do a 30 day vegan challenge. And on day 10, my headaches went away. So Terry, tell us what is Veganuary? It is um, a movement, a nonprofit group um, born in 2014 in the UK, has since spread to 192 countries around the world, kind of formally came to the US two years ago, and has really established itself quickly here as um kind of a trendy, cool, celebrity-backed thing to do. And there are other food movements along these lines where it, it's one month that they put the challenge out. You're accountable to yourself. No one is policing you. Um, and you just try to do the best you can. There, there are always Facebook groups and uh, emails and recipes and tips and information that come along with it. If you, if you sign up, you know, if you opt in and say, okay, I want to try it, there will be plenty of support there that, that aims to help you do the best you can. But um, this approach, because it's very kind of non-judgmental. I think it is smart. It, it's not like you either do this or you are, um, you're going to die young and you're a horrible person. Yeah. The, uh, and the, I think the, the tagline or line that they've been using is something like, um, you know, no one's perfect, but let's try anyway. And, I mean, uh, how smart is that? It's really yeah. smart because it is encouraging you rather than saying, first of all, um, they don't sort of look at you like you're an original sinner. They sort of <laughs> welcome you in and they're not going to talk about your past. They're going to look to the, you know, look to the future and go, okay, just, just do what you can. Maybe I, you'll do, maybe you'll do really, really well. And maybe you won't. The, uh, I think if we had not been covering this so much, and I don't, I don't know that this specifically tied to Veganuary, but I have a hunch it is, um, the uh, I've I've noticed in Instagram and maybe elsewhere a lot of people posting pictures of food and saying something like vegetarian almost vegan or you know mostly ve you know it's like that that's kind of been the caption on a lot of that stuff and to your point I think it's just showing that people are trying that they're spending versus we should mention the uh, the classic uh, January of. Uh, you know, mo movement that people have been part of typically has been dry January. Dry January got a rough start this year. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. January, it, it, we got five days in, right? And then all bets were off. Yeah. So you've got obviously the capital invasion. You've got the inauguration on the other end for a lot of people. Um, and yeah, so it's, I mean, I know one or two people who've stuck with Dry January, uh, but I feel like I've seen way more people trying to move to plant-based. Um, and so let's talk about, like, uh, if I remember right, so this thing is, as you mentioned, has grown very large globally, but just in, it's only in its second year, and it's grown pretty substantially in that one year. Yeah, 80,000 people um, wow. signed up in the U S in year two. So that was nearly 50% of the, 
jump from the previous year. And so I think people realize that even if they, if they cut out meat, if they go plant-based for half that time, um, one day a week, if they skip, you know, if they swap out one meal every other day or something like that, they still know that they're making some kind of a difference in both the environmental impact and their health. So I think that's been kind of a focus and that's what makes it seem perhaps a little more attainable to people. Or you think I am doing some good. Um, it's not like, it's not like it's all or nothing. And I, let's talk about some of the brands uh, that have taken, uh, I, I can't remember if we've mentioned specifically, but it's what, like a hundred brands uh, yeah. that have created some sort of partnership. And um, like, well, tell us about some of those partnerships. Cause it's not necessarily that uh, they're, they're not all going gigantically in on it, but it's what's making sure that they have menu items that are available and things like that. Right. Yeah, I actually was just looking at the Costco circular. So they have a monthly circular that they send out, and which sounds kind of like a throwaway item, but that is 15 million strong. That is a lot. That's a lot of real estate. I mean, that's quite a lot of ink. And it's two, it's a two-page spread in their monthly circular, which I would guess maybe a lot of Costco. Uh, shoppers do look at that. And so the whole two-page spread talks about the items that they sell that um, that fit into this uh, movement. They talk about tips and recipes and all kinds of good information in this. So that's not an insignificant you know, little piece of promotion. Um, some of the other stuff would range from, say, uh, yeah, a menu item, a, a discount. So if you you go to um, Just Salad or Robex, there'll be something that's kind of earmarked Veganuary, or it'll have you know you'll have get some um, special price on stuff. Um, Veggie Grill is doing stuff. Hellman's has recipe guides. There's a um, Sweet Earth line that's owned by Nestle. So if you go to you know a, a takeout place that has that, you're probably going to get some kind of a special. Uh, Yelp is um, really promoting it. So all kinds of um, really interesting brands, everybody from Beyond Meat to um, Mendocino Farms, all kinds of all kinds of cool stuff going on. It, it feels like event based. Um, I guess marketing uh, these kind of I embracing these sorts of, of events. We we've seen this obviously with cannabis, right? So remind us about uh, late late last year. Uh, we had several. I mean, we have we have what used to just be 420 um, as kind of the one cannabis holiday, uh, and then now what are we up to? There's uh, re remind me what were the other big days for sales last year. Um, well, the big day, one of the biggest days came in March when everything shut down, which wasn't an official holiday, but it kind of became one, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 420, uh, 710 is becoming a holiday. That's in July. Um, Green Wednesday is huge, followed uh, actually by um, Black Friday and Cyber Monday. So um, cannabis is not only celebrating its own kind of um, created holidays, but they're also latching on to 
regular retail sort of holidays as well, we're going to start to see a lot more of that. There's going to be like a, you know, every time there's a Hallmark holiday, (laughs) I think there will be some kind of cannabis activity around it because they're starting to act like regular retail. But you're right, that kind of event-based, like if you have something to hang your hat on from a marketing perspective and that brings with it, you know, we all sort of know what those holidays are and the imagery that you can, you know, that you can attach to your marketing that is very familiar to us from, from other things. It doesn't have to be endemic to that holiday, but we understand what those holidays mean. Well, it makes so much sense from, uh, you know, if you're in an emerging category, uh, cannabis, obviously very cash rich, but you've got, um, you know, these plant-based brands, which used to just mostly be burger alternatives, but now has obviously grown. We've talked on this podcast about uh, plant-based egg alternatives and just about everything. Everything has something, obviously a million different alternative milks. But for them, you know, as, as an advertiser, having these events is so convenient because you can bulk up your spend into one place. You can really go heavy in a time where you're relevant and where people are thinking about you. Uh, you know, and then uh, we play a part in this. You get coverage, right? <laughs> because it's a big PR boost. Exactly. And you could cross-pollinate. You know, at um, I'm going to blank on the name of the restaurant. Oh, maybe it's Plant, Plant Burger. No, what is the name of that place? There's a restaurant chain that this month will be doing some breakfast sandwiches with Beyond Meat Sausage, Just Egg, and a couple of other things. There were like several brands all in one meal. So you can cross promote um, all these different um, brands at one time because they can work together. Yeah. Yeah. They get those partnership budgets. And yeah, it's just, you know, you can really see when you think of it that way, uh, not so much as a consumer, but as a marketer, you can really see why these are so incredibly valuable. And I think that didn't one of it was a, a British uh, brand or retailer said that this is like bigger than Christmas for them now. Uh, because, you know, if you're, if you're a vegan brand, um, yeah, getting everybody trying to want to be vegan, even if it's much smaller as a total population than Christmas, they're all in on your very specific category. And think about that sort of reckoning that happens at the beginning of the year, maybe even more so in 2021, because everyone was cooking and carb loading for the entire 2020. So, and probably drinking a lot as well. You know, we saw so many, you know, so many categories had incredible sales, crappy snack food, alcohol, carbs, you know, baking goods. So all that stuff happened in 2020 and the reckoning that that would come anyway with a new year. So you have this, these options in front of you, like, wow, here's, I can kind of reset and I can really get my act together because man, I ate a lot of junk in 2020. So if I'm gonna, I mean, it's almost like the, you know, the at-home cleanse, your your own way of kicking out all the crap that you ate last year. 
Well, and I, uh, before we uh, wrap up, I wanted to talk about a uh, campaign, because again, I think this is fascinating from a marketing perspective, campaign that Oatly did. Uh, it's a Swedish brand, uh, obviously an oat milk brand. It's very well known. But uh, this was, I believe, a UK. Well, no, it's a, they did run it in the UK, but I think it ran in several countries. Um, but they did a campaign of uh, mi- basically my, my people uh, aimed at middle-aged dads. Uh, and the whole strategy, the whole insight of the campaign is that de- like middle-aged dads are literally the most resistant to veganism of any demographic. Uh, and so they said that, like, I think the brand literally said, this is our, our essentially our worst enemy, right? <laughs> Like when it comes to getting these products in the home, uh, I say that as as I drink Oatly specifically, uh, but you know, yeah, I drink non dairy milks, but um, but typically, yeah, I can see that. And so, in the, each of these ads, uh, teenagers or preteens are basically using parenting tactics to guilt their parents into uh, making these, uh, you know, oat milk or dairy free op- choices when the dads obviously want you know bacon and milk and all that stuff. I thought that was such a clever thing because normally, uh, you know, I, I write a daily newsletter, uh, which if you're not signed up and you enjoy this podcast, you may want to. I think it's just under the newsletter settings on Adweek. But uh, the Ad Freak newsletter, I talked about one day how normally when you look at your demographics and their affinity for your product, you don't sort from lowest to highest. <laughs> you know, you you pick like, okay, here's our receptive audience. But I thought this was such a fascinating example where they know their receptive audience are the teens uh, and the, the young people and that they can get those people to be an entry point into these families. I just thought that was such a fascinating marketing tactic versus the usual of just being like, hey, our fellow people who already believe in us, go buy more of our product, which makes sense. But I think it just goes to show that we're going to see more and more of this uh, to the point of the beginning of the conversation of of it being less about don't don't torture animals to death and more just about, hey, why don't you just make a slightly healthier choice? Right. Well, and the research has shown that it is certainly the younger demos that, that are, um, they've been early adopters. They're very loyal and they are the ones influencing their parents, their grandparents. Hey, you should try this. It's much better for you. And if if you hear that from your kid or your grandchild, you would probably be more likely to try it. I mean, they took the Oatly took a really funny, like um, the young people were shaming the old, you know, the dads. Like, don't don't eat that. Why are you eating that? you know, explain yourself kind of thing, which was hilarious. But the truth is that those younger demos have been extremely influential. And probably the first time that some of the boomers or the other demos have ever tried those products, they've been presented to them by their kids or their grandkids. Well, I definitely encourage everyone, if you just Google Adweek and Veganuary, which is like vegan with Uary at the end. Um, and then you will find Terry's uh, wonderful story about how that has grown so big. Uh, before we go, Terry, any predictions on next year's Veganuary? You think it's going to keep up that kind of growth or do you think this is going to be uh, uh, it's something you know will fall off or where do you think it'll be a year from now? Um, I think it will be more mainstream, more popular, um, plenty of people that you might not have ever 
expected to try it, we'll be trying it. Well, I look forward to that, and I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep trying uh, to slowly find, like I said, finding these alternatives uh, that just you know, it's like once the once you have a good uh, egg replacement, then I don't really care. I don't care if it's an egg or if it's something that just tastes like an egg, right? As long as it's, I mean, it's all the same to me. Uh, and uh, same for. You know, we, we, we don't even have time to get into it, but I still believe there is a huge gap between cheese and fake cheese. Uh, yes. That's, mean- yeah, the, the eggs are probably coming along quicker than the cheese is, and the sausage is pretty darn good. Yeah. I mean, the sausage great. is almost in, indistinguishable, right, from from the real, from pork. So, Sure, I would. I've swapped it out for that. I'm happy to do that. I I think you know. I think about you. I think about our coverage every time I go to the grocery store because I live in uh, you know central Alabama, and so you know, no East Coast elites over here. There's there's no you know, and uh, you're in L.A. So obviously you see kind of the the extreme of it of these options being available. But I feel like if I see something in a store, it is mainstream. Like we don't get niche stuff here, and there are now six different types of plant-based burgers in uh-huh. my in my Publix. Uh, you know, I I doubt there was one uh, two years ago. You remember? It's like that 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 section in the produce section that <laughs> like a weird. Here's where the tofu hangs in the corner, like <laughs> over by the portobello mushrooms, and like uh, that that was it forever. And so. Every time I see that, I'm just like, dang, if I, you know, if I had money, if I were the kind of person that put money into stuff like this and could invest in it, I, the, all these plant-based companies, they just still have so much room to grow. Cause I'll say this, like the other thing I notice every time I do that is that there's like 25 kinds of frozen meat, frozen hamburgers. And those are the ones that are going to suffer, right? They're going to lose shelf space. They're going to, cause we don't need, we don't need like 25 kinds of frozen Angus burger, um, and so, yeah, I think this category, this space, stay, stay. Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, you should definitely stay on top of Terry's reporting uh, because uh, on Adweek, because I mean, you are you are more on top of this than any other reporter I've seen out there, and uh, it's a great way to stay on top of it. So, thank you, T.L. Stanley, uh, writer and editor for Adweek. Uh, always a pleasure to to have you back on the show. Thank you so so much. I love talking about this topic. I uh, yeah that that we're we're out of time for this week. Our theme music is by Home. Uh, this week's episode was produced by me, David Greiner, and edited by Lane McGivney. If you have not already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews mean a lot to us personally, and they help new listeners discover the show. For Ad Week, I'm David Greiner, and we will be back next week to talk Super Bowl. See you then. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.